Hello and welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with your hosts Hattie Butterworth and me Rebecca Toll. Within our vibrant musical world it can often feel that the struggles and humanity of the musicians is lost and restricted. Having both dealt in silence with mental, physical and emotional issues, we are now looking for a way to voice musicians' stories, discuss them further and to connect with the many others who suffer like we have. No topic will be out of bounds as we are committed to raising awareness for all varieties of struggle and hope to do so with some fantastic guests along the way. So join me, Hattie and guests as we attempt to bring an end to stigma by uncovering the things musicians don't talk about. live talk of the week of the Musicians Injury Awareness Week and today we are at the Royal Academy of Music with the wonderful Anil and also Rebecca, my co-host. If you're tuning in for the first time, we are Things Musicians Don't Talk About and we are a podcast and online platform looking to raise awareness and campaign for stigmatised issues within the classical music profession. So this week was set up basically as a response to an overwhelming amount of responses we had um, that injury and performance injury and pain was something that people wanted spoken about. People wanted to share their stories because it was crazy how many people had kept an injury secret for so many years. Um, So also before we get started I want to say a huge thank you to the Royal Academy and to Dan for the technical expertise and also for allowing us to come and yeah, speak with Anil about such an important topic. So I'm going to let Anil introduce himself. Um, but before we get started, do you have anything else you'd like to add, Rebecca? No, just excuse my sweaty appearance. I just <laughs> cycled hell for leather, leather from Dalston. So, I'm yeah. impressed. So good. Great. Very good. Anil, tell us about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I... I studied at the Academy a while ago, Um, I did a Masters in Cello Performance and I had a long-term injury myself and had to stop playing for a while and then uh, I retrained as a soft tissue therapist and functional rehab specialist and now I currently work mostly as a soft tissue and functional rehab specialist but I'm also playing again and I kind of freelance with chamber music mostly. Brilliant. Can you give us maybe a bit more of like your musical background, like how did you get into the cello and what was like your kind of younger years look like? When did the pain and injury kind of come on as well? Okay, yeah. So I um, played cello when I was at school. I think I started when I was nine. It's hard to remember these things. But yeah, I started when I was nine and I I also did a lot of sport when I was at school. So I was really keen on, it was either going to be music or it was going to be something in sport whether it was I love rugby and I was I was quite keen on that or even sports physiology kind of the coaching side of it and then I kind of decided more towards cello because I kind of loved it and thought that's what I wanted to do um, but yeah I started getting kind of pain and problems when I was about 15, 16 okay. um, it was shoulder pain shoulder issues um, and then I went off to university first because that's kind of people recommended it instead mm. of going to music college first I'm sure a lot of people have heard the debate with that and then I stayed there and I still had a lot of pain um, 
saw different people for it, which we go into more, but yeah. And then um, went to the academy, and it kind of it got worse or stayed just as bad as it ever was, really. Yeah. Did you ever have a diagnosis of what the injury was? So it took me a long time to get any kind of diagnosis. I saw, when I was 18, I first saw people, 17, 18. Didn't get anything, got kind of the classic, take some ibuprofen. Uh, saw a few different people at that age. Uh, no diagnosis, just a kind of vague, you've hurt your shoulder, it's overuse, some, some tendons or something. I probably saw, you know, very gen- generic. Um, obviously that didn't help, the, what I was required to do. Did a bit, took a bit of rest, did, did what was requested, required, and it didn't really help. Then at, when I was at university, I went and saw a kind of, or to the hospital, a kind of quite senior shoulder physio who was meant to be quite well respected. And this, this was in the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford, so quite, you know, really good place. And they kind of said, it's complicated. And they, they were honest, they did some, a few scans, not an MRI, but they did some stuff. And they're basically kind of like, we don't really know what this is. Uh, the lady said, I've seen another cellist with this when I was there and she we couldn't really fix it and basically it can't really be fixed it's complicated we don't know what it is it could be multiple different things because shoulders and certain joints are really complex and so she basically said yeah just manage your pain really I was given a bit of potential physiotherapy but very minimal that might help it but it was quite like you're going to have it now for the rest of your life so manage it take ibuprofen hot cold rest all that kind of stuff and I did the best I could and then I, when I finished at Academy, I'd done a lot of my own reading and research and um, started thinking about courses myself, retraining in that, because I love the sports side of it anyway. And I finally, when I finished Academy, went and got um, under the care of a kind of orthopaedic surgeon yeah, on the NHS at the Royal Free Hospital. And they did some scans and they kind of were a bit more, okay, you're really going to do the physio, you're gonna, we're going to do it all. And even then, unfortunately, they were like, we don't know for sure. They, the scans didn't show up anything conclusive. There were various things it could have been. But they did come up with, they thought it was some kind of neural tissue irritation through the shoulder area. Could be various areas causing some kind of pain. But that's all I ever really got yeah. as like the best case because it's a complex issue it wasn't a torn rotator cuff torn tendons or you know something simple mm-hmm. so yeah that's the I never got a very clear this is exactly what it is and here's how to fix it how did you feel like ha- over those many what it sounds like many years of inconclusive medical mm. non-advice I think you don't feel I think that's probably, I, I imagine it might resonate with a lot of people, but you, I think A, unless you're given something specific, clear, like stop playing or here's what you have to do, you kind of just try to carry on with life without letting it affect you too much. And B, you, you don't want to contemplate what it could mean because, you know, we're in, we're, you're in music because you love it and you feel you need to practice and it's a hard thing to, to do in itself. So you've got a lot of other stuff, pressures on you that unless you're given something specific, you kind of box it away. I mean, I guess I was probably really worried, but quite good at trying to go, well, if there's nothing I can do, just carry on like I was told. Mm -hmm. So I I guess I didn't feel much until I had to stop. In terms of your actual playing, um, can you explain how the pain would affect your actual physical playing of the cello and how maybe it still does? 
So the pain was kind of all through the front of the shoulder, mm. and I, I was getting it when I was kind of 15, 16, and it, it first came on, yeah, during, obviously, anything on the A string, anything longer playing legato, less painful on the C string, because the shoulder's under less load, less elevation. So I just, it would just start to hurt. Just kind of an achy, sore, hot pain. Um, and I, I was getting it when I went to the gym, so I used to go to the gym a lot, and I was getting it when I was doing basically anything that used the shoulder much, and it, all throughout those years. So it kind of had a massive impact on my life outside of the cello, and that was probably bigger. I couldn't sleep on that side, I couldn't, it got so bad at some points I couldn't really do washing up. You know, I was just, I was playing in pain, and then the rest of the time I was trying to not use this arm at all, because it just hurt. And it wasn't agony, but it was just constant mid-level pain, mm. which is really emotionally draining. And it affects, I think, your psychology, your emotions, how you, how you feel, your mood. It's, like, it's kind of quite pervasive. I think I didn't realise how much it was affecting stuff other than cello until I stopped and kind of the pain managed to sort it out more so the pain was gone. I was like, wow, this is better. Um, yeah, I think it affected my cello. I was very technique obsessed and I think that's partly the type of person I am mm. and I felt I did need quite a bit of technical help but they all combined together and then with the pain I think I was searching for some kind of technical answer to remove the pain and because we're often all told it's bad technique or sometimes it's your posture or something about the way you're playing whether it be your hands or posture or approach is causing the pain so I think I was searching for about five six years when I was practicing and I tried to practice a lot and different methods to try and find a way to think if I could play in a better more efficient and all these things you're told way would this go away so I think that actually affected my progress and my approach to the cello and to music were you having lessons at this point yeah I was having lessons how was your relationship with your teacher was it or were they supportive? Or? I mean, they, I didn't really talk about my pain. As you said, how many musicians have kind of kept it quiet? Just because there's not much a teacher can do. I mentioned it a few times and they were helpful in that, oh, that's, that's, that's rubbish for you and maybe go and see someone and maybe go and try seeing someone. But there's not much a teacher can do other than go, yeah, do, go through the route that you're supposed to. So, yeah, my teacher certainly wasn't unsupportive but there's only so much that my teacher could do and I think the relationship with my, with my teacher was, was, was fine in terms of that but without really me being really open about it and really going, look, this is actually causing a huge problem with my playing it would be unfair to even answer what the teacher could even mm-hmm. help, that, help with that And in terms of there being a sort of breaking point for you with your cello playing how did that come about? Was it very sudden after graduating that you decided, I can't do this anymore, this pain is, is, is meaning that I don't have the same passion that I used to or whatever? Can you talk about that movement into knowing this really can't be my main thing anymore? Yeah, I think it's, it's been so long with the pain that when I graduated, I'd obviously finished that thing, so that's done, you kind of get your degree and then I was thinking right well maybe orchestral work or something like that and I was practicing quite a bit to kind of consider preparing for some auditions and and then just I just kind of reached a point where, where I was practicing more and the pain was increasing it wasn't staying the same it was actually getting worse 
And so I was like, oh, okay, I can't really practice properly. I'm stressed about the idea of doing auditions. How can I even then, if I, even if I succeed at audition, how am I going to do a trial or play in an orchestra for four or five days a week, three to four, five, six hours a day, plus practicing around it, not going to happen. And I just started to realise also, because fortunately a lot of my friends were outside of music, and I just started to see, well, other things do matter, which I think is quite hard to remember when you're pursuing such a vocational career that you love and that you know, requires a lot of dedication. And I just, you know, I was like, I can't even go and play sport. I can't even, I can't even go for a jog without it hurting. I can't, basically, I was basically a bit debilitated on a lot of basic things. As I kind of came to the realisation that I'd rather have to quit or quit for a long time or quit forever, which was really tough. But I'd rather do that than have this pain get stay the same or get worse for the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. And if it gets worse, maybe I won't even be able to just you know, do anything with my arm. And maybe I'd have to stop playing the cello anyway, so it's kind of be pointless anyway, because I'd end up quitting anyway. So I kind of realised at that point. Mm. So you, you took about five, six years off, is that right? Yeah, about four. Four. Yeah, four, about four. Four and years, yeah, about four. Can you describe how it was, like, coming back to it? What prompted you to be like, I think I'll give it another go, just... It was kind of more of a constantly trying to come back to it and having to stop. Mm-hmm. I never quit. And I, that was stressful in itself. It was more like, I'm going to do what I need to do to get a shoulder better, to do the cello, but also to make my shoulder better. I just kind of kept trying to come back to it, kept testing. No, it's still really painful. I was getting a bit better, kind of using the cello as a tester for the state of my shoulder. So I was constantly waiting to come, well, trying bits and bobs, and I did the odd odd gig here and there on and off through, through those years too but um, yeah I, I mean it's, it's, it's rather than like a, a watershed point it was more of a kind of slow it's getting better slowly and then once I reached a point I was like oh now actually oh it's great that I can play chamber music and do quite a bit of playing without any symptoms so mm-hmm. that, that was really nice Can you maybe um, explain about what happened in those years off you know I mean, we know we know your kind of history a bit, but for people that don't know you, can you explain the training that you undertook to become what you are now, which is a um, soft tissue rehabilitation specialist, therapist? Specialist. Specialist. Yeah, yeah specialist. Um, can you talk about that process of saying, okay, I got this interested in sports physiology, obviously I had my injury experience, how did you kind of merge those things and decide, wow, this could be a route that might be something I'm really interested into? Yeah, well, I always loved sport, always loved um, sports performance, and I guess I obviously became more personally interested in the more injury, rehabilitative, injury prevention side because of my own problem. Yeah, I just, I did loads of reading, loads of kind of reading lots of medical journals, lots of research around shoulder problems and on all that side of stuff, and I'd done a lot of reading on kind of exercise physiology when I was at school because I was considering doing that um, for a career so I already had a bit of a scientific biological understanding um, and yeah I did I did a course straight after I decided to quit the cello because I thought if I don't manage to succeed in fixing my shoulder I, I want to go into that so I started taking courses um, that were interesting to me and that I thought were kind of evidence-based and had kind of a good track record of producing 
results. So yeah, I kind of started doing that slowly while I was still trying to sort my own shoulder out. So it's kind of a, a bit of a personal interest to see what, what these courses I could learn for myself, mm-hmm. realizing I had to probably fix it quite a bit myself, but also with the idea that, you know, it would be a career I'd love to go into because I personally don't really like teaching. <laughs> so I, I knew I would never really be able to have that. Mm. I wonder whether, because now you're sort of dual cellist and soft tissue therapist, I wonder whether, because for me personally, teaching always feels like uh, a sharing and a sort of troubleshooting uh, exercise. And I wonder whether for you, that version of it for you is the soft tissue therapy um, but yeah, how does it feel doing a sort of dual career and do they feed into each other? Yeah, I think the way you described it is like perfect. Mm-hmm. Troubleshooting, because that's what you do in, in, as a kind of physio or as a soft tissue therapist or as an exercise rehab, you're kind of trying to troubleshoot. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I like to treat it as like a sharing thing too, because we don't have all the answers and it's a collaborative approach especially with complex injuries and it really has to be because if you, you can't always know and as I said I went to some of the best consultants and had all the scans and they still weren't sure what it was so yeah I mean it definitely informs I think my my injury and my experience informs what I do um, and what I do teaches me about treating other people you know the more people I treat the more I learn um, in terms of do they interact with each other I don't know maybe not not so much actually I mean I, the, the kind of chamber music I do is quite separate to the soft tissue mm-hmm. I do I guess mm-hmm. and I, I work in clinics with a lot of like normal people and athletes so I'm not always treating musicians mm-hmm. so it, it definitely my experiences as a child has definitely helped when I treat musicians because I understand what is required the movements the postures they're in and the the emotional states they're in and what their job needs they means they kind of need to do so I, yeah it definitely helps can you um explain what actually the work of a soft tissue therapist involves okay that's a <laughs> in really, a short that's form. a hard question it's a difficult question because i guess different soft tissue therapists have different qualifications so what are your uh, kind of qualifications yeah so <laughs> i'm i have it's called a, a soft tissue clinical soft tissue diploma and mm-hmm. basically what that means is I do massage but I do advanced massage and I know more anatomy more pathologies and more techniques to touch base to treat more advanced things than normal massage that's basically what it means it's basically what um, if you go to an osteo or a physio I'll be doing stuff more similar to them than having a massage so that, that's the idea it's more advanced it's more kind of has a clinical basis evidence base that's the soft tissue side which is purely based on trying to assess what the problem might be and then using hands-on techniques to basically reduce symptoms and maybe help release areas that could be causing problems if tightness is a problem which it really always isn't often it's not enough strength and stability and then the other side of what I do which is the corrective exercise rehab is, is the same thing assessing what areas are weak not moving properly um, unstable and then trying to find exercises that will get you back to ultimately what you need to do which in the case of musicians is if you're a cellist it's doing that 
if you're a trombonist it's holding your trombone up and if you're an athlete it could be sprinting running throwing this might be a stupid question but you got soft tissue is there another type of tissue yes i guess the reason they say soft tissues because i work on muscles tendons fascia and and maybe ligaments but i don't do what a chiropractor does or an osteo which is move bones you know, the click-clack oh, stuff. That is a really good really, question. shouldn't have said that. But, I was just thinking, like, is there the a kind of b- bony <laughs> manipulation bones, yeah. I, that's not what I'm trained to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, yeah, hard tissue would, I guess, be bones. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I guess what you're saying is that a lot of the time the problem isn't tightness. So it, is it more often than not that you'll treat someone with rehabilitation rather than massage? Yeah, so I think most physios and people in the kind of profession probably generally agree. I think there is a debate, but I think generally there's a consensus that the most evidence-based and effective thing is some form of movement mm-hmm. therapy. So going and getting a, a joint adjustment from an osteo or having a massage or even um, shockwave therapy or these other kind of more advanced new tissue therapies that help reduce pain or or dry needling which is like acupuncture these things are all really helpful but it tends to be the best thing or the thing that that you'll need especially if it's complex is some form of movement based whether that's mobility increasing mobility or whether it's increasing strength and stability and and functional loading which is the ability of the tissue and the body and the posture to to, to deal with a certain amount of loading that you need so yeah generally I would rather pe- treat people, and I, most people would agree it's better to treat with movement-based stuff. Mm-hmm. But the soft tissues are a useful modality to help with that, to be honest. Can you talk about uh, kind of the treatment of people with movement stuff? I mean, what does that look like? Do you give them, say, a plan of exercises? Yeah, to yeah exactly, yeah. Yeah, so if someone comes to you with an injury and you've decided they have an issue with movement... Yeah. Can you explain maybe what sort of things you might yeah, so give them? I guess this might be useful for like people watching to get an idea of what you should expect mm. from, from any, any injury, basically. M- basically, the first step will be reduce the symptoms. And this is no matter who you go to. And this is the idea. You reduce, and if, whether it's chronic or acute, it's kind of similar. I'm really simplifying here. But the idea is you reduce the symptoms, which is pain normally. So you do whatever it takes to bring those down because you can't move properly when you're in pain and you need the tissues to heal and then also yeah, have a relief from that. So that can be, often it's taking things away. So taking away the movement or the thing that's causing the pain or the negative symptoms. That doesn't mean complete rest, which is really not a good idea. It means taking away what's causing it, but keeping moving and active within pain tolerance. Because complete rest is now just considered not particularly effective it slows down healing times it prevents developing you know functional strength and all that so it's basically taking away the the problem and some treatments might help like like massage can help certain treatments can help reduce the symptoms the second part would be getting a diagnosis or an assessment even if you can't get the exact thing just getting some form of assessment or diagnosis from a good quality musculoskeletal physio or going to a consultant or anyone who can basically give you assess you fully and give, get you a good idea of what might be causing it that will guide the treatment even if it's uh, we're not sure but it could be A, B and C that's still something 
And then the third step, which you can start quite early, is functional rehab. Which is basically, and this is where it's a bit of an art, not just a science, it's a bunch of exercises and corrective exercises that could be any combination of flexibility and mobility, strength, stability, postural work, any of this stuff, um, to basically get you your tissues able to tolerate the load. In, and there's, that's really simplifying it but ultimately the exercises I'd give would be based on where they are in their pain, the pain how calm the symptoms are what diagnosis or assessment they've had from someone else or what I kind of think it could be and then I'll, I'll develop an exercise programme that will get them slowly progressively closer to doing whatever they couldn't do and need to do kind of the simple version of it so you do some work here at the academy. Could you give us, like, what are the most common things that you see amongst, like, conservatoire students, for example? Most common? Maybe it's not. I mean, we all we know, especially from this week, that every injury is individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, are absolutely. there, like, certain areas or certain things that people just keep coming to you time and time again for? I would say there's... I mean... I've seen quite a few people. Obviously, I would love to see more to get more picture, but there does seem to be certain areas that are a bit common. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of upper back, upper back, mid back, mm-hmm. and then quite a bit of often that leads to or is linked with shoulder, especially in string players, and then also in string players, issues in wrist tendonitisy things or pain in the forearms. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Seen, I get. I mean, I guess. Musicians aren't often up and about running, sprinting, and doing that kind of those kind of things. So I don't really see many lower body issues. Mm. Probably because if they have any, it's not become apparent, or they're not really loading it, so there aren't issues. A um, little bit of lower back, but that's much more common in the general population. Like people mm. who go and start exercising, who desk workers, musicians. It's it's normally around the neck, upper back, shoulders, upper limbs. I guess for the majority of our projects and work would be sitting down anyway so yeah exactly um i wonder yeah i suppose do you ha- have you seen any wind players yeah 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 quite is it this, is it similar sort of just similar areas yeah a bit less shoulder because they tend to be doing less of this or mm. this um, shoulder movement so it tends to be more neck back yeah uh, yeah and what would you give them for that is that more a massage based thing or would you like if they were your private client mm-hmm. for example would you give them exercises for that? Or? It completely depends on the assessment. Mm. Because neck, back, upper limb, forearm, it could be all kinds yeah. of different things. It could be soft tissue pain, it could be muscle tendon, it could be um, neural stuff, neural irritation. It could be, And of all, of all the muscles, it can be a variety of different things. Yeah. It could even be, it depends where they are, how long they've had their pain because it could be psychological factors or central nervous system factors like sensitising their tissues. Mm-hmm. So it'd be impossible to say one thing what I'd give them. But generally I'd start with trying to calm their symptoms down mm-hmm. by some soft tissue work and maybe some taking away some stuff or reducing some of what they're doing to give their tissues a break. And then, yeah, figure out what exercises they need. But it really would depend. Mm-hmm. It completely depends on which exact area. And that's why you need a good assessment and yeah. ideally diagnosis because that will guide the, the, the rehab procedure so important for everyone to just go and see someone rather than taking yeah. advice from their friends and definitely <laughs> see more than one person my yeah. experience is I, I've seen about 
five or six really senior consultant or high-level physios, and I got I got probably about four different diagnoses. And when it started to be the same towards the end, it was like, okay, this is probably what it is. Mm-hmm. But don't go and just see one person, and and don't be afraid to if you think the if you think okay that sounds convincing, but I'll go and see someone else. Mm-hmm. You know you and you know go and see someone. Go and see some good people, basically. And if it's complex, if it's an acute injury and you've obviously just strained your back or your rotator cuff or your hand, you're probably going to be more reliable just from what you get told to start with. But if it's complicated and you've had it for a while, maybe go and see more than one person. I'm, I'm always willing to refer people out if I think it could be this, mm-hmm. but I really don't know for certain. I go, go and see that physio or this guy, they're great, because they'll give you a different expertise, different experience, different pair of eyes. Generally, at what point would you say something goes from acute to chronic? Oh. <laughs> like a, that's like a test. Yeah. Oh, well, a okay. Question. Maybe not. It's really hit. Sorry. Sorry. That's a test. But like, um, I, I was thinking about like this. Like, I feel like this is from typing this week, but it has happened in the past. But I know that it comes on when I do this so, particular so thing. So that's pro- a chronic issue that's yeah. acutely reactive okay right if you does sprained, that help at all <laughs> probably you, not if you sprained your ankle playing football acute acute yeah. and how long would you expect that to last for maybe well a lot of acute issues become chronic ah. right so that's the problem like, <laughs> let's say you're, you're a musician you've never had any pain anywhere yeah. and you suddenly start getting some pain in your in your in your wrist tendonitis yeah. I'd say that that at the moment is an acute issue because it's just happened mm-hmm. I guess the chronic is when you've had it for a while okay so it's bit of a tricky question because some things have been brewing like tendonitis you're overloading you're overloading it and then it hurts but yeah I mean if you've just got pain that's new I'd say that's a new issue hard to say if it's acute or not but, it but yeah acutes mean... if you've just t- torn your ankle yeah. or sprained your you know your, your back or whatever it is but that's it's acute. probably worth getting both checked out oh 100% 100% don't just think oh I've, I've just done my back and it'll be okay it probably will be okay and you'll probably be fine but do get it checked it's worth it especially if you're going to then go and sit for six hours over the next day going well I've got a bad shoulder because I've maybe hurt it playing football or throwing a tennis ball but now I'm going to go and practice the violin for six hours then you should definitely just mm-hmm. get it checked or seen to in terms of your own shoulder injury can you explain maybe how it is now and was it this big break you took that has healed it or what do you think of what you've done has mm. meant that you can now play without symptoms it's a good question I think the break didn't help so rest didn't help I was encouraged rest by quite a few people in the earlier stages and some in the later and then when I saw the kind of more experienced and really elite level physios there was, you know, they, and that's the new consensus is no, don't, don't rest because you decondition, you lose muscle mass, you lose neural control, you lose strength, you lose conditioning, and your ability to do the task will go down. And because my, it, my issue personally was a complex pain issue that was irritated at the slightest thing, resting actually made it worse for me because I, I think mine was a neural issue, and and it, resting didn't just make it feel fine. It, it was always fine at rest, just sitting, not moving. But then resting actually made it more painful and more irritable when I then did anything. So my experience of my injury was that there was no breakthrough diagnosis. There was no breakthrough thing I did. There was a breakthrough principle I applied 
And once I applied the idea that, look, there's not going to be one perfect exercise that fixes me because I tried so much, so many things. There's not going to be one treatment, one massage or one needle shoved in a place or one kind of thing that fixes me because mine's complex. Sometimes those things can clear things up. But I realised I have to just slowly, progressively increase my movement and loading. So it's just really steadily on a graded ladder of now I can now I can move my arms like this, then I can do that movement, then I can do this, then I can do something that's a bit like the cello, you know. Just slowly increase it while managing the pain so it didn't overflare but accepting a bit of discomfort and then eventually got to the point where, oh I can sit and play the cello and there isn't discomfort. But if I was to practice now for four hours all on the A string, it would be really sore. So it's just kind of for me, it, that was the, the kind of breakthrough approach. And I think that is the approach you have to take with really complex issues where it's, there is no obvious, mm. obvious solution or clear medical thing you can do to fix that issue. Because it sounds like you have to be quite self-disciplined in gradienting that recovery mm. process. Yeah, you do, yeah. How did you manage or how did you balance being self-disciplined but also mindful and sort of... Um, being aware of how it was feeling that day and being a bit more kind of loads of mistakes. Yeah, just loads of mistakes, years of mistakes, and I didn't even take that approach for the first year or two, thinking maybe if I could get the right diagnosis, there could be a, a clear solution. Yeah, just trial and error, and that's hopefully what makes me a a reasonable therapist because I I know that you can easily do too much and blow it up, and then you're kind of back a step. It's not a disaster, but you're back a step. Or you can not do enough and you're just not really progressing when, at, at as good a rate as you could. Mm-hmm. So it's just about that fine balance. And it is trial and error. And no matter who you are, you're going to have some days where maybe you've overpushed it on the rehab journey. They always say a rehab journey is never linear. It looks like that overall, but the actual graph goes like <laughs> that. So you will improve, but yeah, it's trial and error and loads of mistakes, to be honest. That's good to hear. Yeah. 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 I'd really like to know just briefly about the sort of emotional side of moving career, I suppose. I mean, you do have your quartet and things, but when you go to the academy for a master's, uh, I think we talked about this the other day, but you are being treated by your teacher as if you were playing hide and D for an orchestra audition. You know, how was the sort of emotional grief of thinking, right, well that path is just not sustainable for me. Like, how did that hit you emotionally? Because you sound like you're incredibly kind of resilient, but I'm wondering, like, the reality of that, was it as simple as just, oh, okay, I'll retrain as a, as a, a massage person? Um, <laughs> I think if you asked any of my friends <laughs> who know me, they would probably say I'm resilient, but they probably wouldn't sound a very chilled guy. Okay. <laughs> Put it like that. Um, I think these things are really... This is a realm that I'm... You know, this is kind of the realm of therapy, the realm of the psyche and stuff. Mm. And I mean, I think you just have to try and talk about it. Mm. Try and be honest with yourself. Um, talk to your friends, talk to whoever you can get a therapist with there's something as big as that if you change a career I had some therapy it really helps but it's a slow process and a lot of the time you just have to I think the hardest thing is I didn't let myself feel it for a long time 
and ultimately you can intellectualize over these things because it's less painful and, and, and it, I was really it was really tough because it, it was for a long time my goal my dream to be a full-time cellist in some form um, and to have a fine shoulder that meant I could do whatever I wanted and practice for as many hours as I wanted and I could you know play whatever I wanted and and I, I, I guess I'm still in that process mm. but I think there does come a point if you keep talking and being honest about it and you let yourself feel the emotions of sadness, of grieving something that you thought you were going to do, where you do find a bit of peace with it. But it takes time. Would you say you were, you were at peace with it now? Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I, I mean. it's, it's complicated. Know. Because yeah, thank you for your It's, you. you know, I'm... I think I'll, as to, I've only become at peace with it in the last kind of six months, year actually, mm-hmm. and now that I feel like that, it's it's not something that's gone. It's, it's I'm easing into that new. This is now what it is. And I'm okay with that, and I'm quite happy with it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's taken. It's, it's kind of new for me to be happy with it. Like oh yeah, okay, you know this. I'm happy with what I'm doing now. That's okay. I feel like you have like a conflicting side that's very present anymore is that what you're exactly yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it it's less present no now it's kind of going away mm. but before it was so present like mm. no but maybe you need to somehow get yourself to be able to do five hours of practice a day yeah. which you should never really need to do <laughs> but you know loads yeah. of practice to go and achieve these things that you were going to but yeah I think it, it's less present now and it's kind of kind of gone so it's easing into that mm. thing but I, I, yeah I think that's a uh... A resilience that you have to build up against it like that hasn't come from within you that's come from how we've been conditioned um and actually especially through conservatoires we are often uh we develop the sense that the goal is to be one thing potentially mm. uh, and actually yeah it takes a lot to as you say find peace with being something else um so yeah um in all <laughs> oh well I mean totally. I think one big thing that I probably the biggest thing that I helped me find more peace with it is examining why I wasn't at peace with it and realising what it was that made me felt I hadn't made it or I wasn't good enough or I'd failed and, and trying to figure out was that really coming from me or do I really think that now mm-hmm. and kind of yeah, because I think it's so easy to go through music college or any, any career, but especially a really vocational, really kind of intense thing like this, and you feel you, you at some point along the way you pick up these ideas that are maybe subconscious or maybe conscious where you go, that's what I have to do to make it. Mm-hmm. And if you can't because of an injury or it no longer actually works for you or you, you actually don't really want that anymore but you're still trying but you're not really achieving because you don't really want it, that's when you get really stuck and I think that's some. you know I realised at one point even if I had a fine shoulder I wouldn't want what I was trying to achieve before now even if I could have it because it doesn't work for me in other ways so then I realised well why am I bothering so that was quite helpful that's a good point yeah. maybe one of the last questions I suppose do you think if you had discovered this is what I really want do you think you would have ever found a way to work with your shoulder to become a cellist like do you think there's ever I don't know how much I'm trying to ask, but do you think, yeah, if you had really, really wanted it the whole way through, yeah. you would have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think there was, yeah, because I played with pain for years, and mm. I think I, I could have carried on playing with pain, and I could have 
practiced enough to have a, a good shot at really trying to do what I wanted, but I'd have been sacrificing a lot okay. to be in constant pain, but maybe then have a shot at the kind of full-time career, playing loads that I want, that I thought I wanted. And yeah, I think this it was it was a toss-up for me, but it was so, I'm I'm so much happier now. I'm happy with the chamber music I do and the, the performances that I do have, and I'm happy with that stuff. But yeah, maybe I could have done if I really wanted it badly enough but I don't think the trade-off would have actually been worth it it's like I would never have done it I guess it sounds like you made the right decision for you oh, so yeah, yeah. 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 So that's what it is it's about a personal decision and if somebody thinks no it's, it's all I want and that really is worth it then, then you should do it Thank you so much. Thank you. I've been so, so captivated. Yeah, the entire time. It's, it's been really wonderful. Yeah, so thank you everyone for tuning in. And thank you, Anil, once again. You are oh, thanks awesome. for having me. Yeah, thanks, gu